Imagine having the life of your dreams. Not temporary cash and glory, but happiness and inner peace. Explore new ways to be a creator and take your own journey into greatness. Is it possible? What does it take to make that happen? It takes the person known for extreme results. He's called the cage breaker and the ultimate catalyst. Coming back from the brink of death and now crushing it for himself and his clients, this is your Ultimate Life Podcast with Kellen Flukiger. Hello and welcome to this episode of Your Ultimate Life, the podcast dedicated to helping you create the life you love, want, and really enjoy, a life of purpose, prosperity, and joy by serving with your gifts and talents. Grateful to have a special guest here today with me, uh, Robert Twine. Robert, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's a gift. It's been an honor. Well, thank you. Ooh, an honor. So I'm, I, uh, we've had a chance to visit a couple of times before about different things. And one of the first questions I love to ask people uh, to just give them a chance to talk about their own experience and journey is I'd like you to tell our guests how Robert chooses to add good to the world. Mm, that's a great question. How do I choose to add good in the world? Well, it can be from being there to pick my daughters up after school, which I'll do today at 2.30. I play music in nursing homes, just love, love people as much as I can, be present with people as much as I can. I'm a coach, musician, father. I do everything I can to um, take care of myself so I can show up for the other people in my life. So self-care is a big part of that. Well, there's a whole bunch of layers to that, and I'd like to dig into some of them. So the common thread through all that was a choice. Robert makes a choice to be a beacon of love, a vessel of beacon of light, vessel of love, conduit of power, show up for people to be there with them and for them in the best way you can. So there's lots of ways that people go through life. And much of it is, I got mine. You know, I need to get what I need for me. I got mine, yet screw everybody else. What is it that makes you focus in all that that you described so much on others, the kids and the nursing home stuff, which I want to talk about a little bit in a minute, but... Mm -hmm. Those kinds of people that are in, kids are helpless. It's not helpless, but they are dependent. People in nursing homes are dependent. So both of those are circumstances where you're making a choice to go look after, brighten, love people that need stuff. What, what is there in Robert that makes you do that? For a long time, I did things the opposite way. I focus on me and getting mine and what can I get and how can I get everything and pile it up and I got to save and I got to, I got to get, I got to get, I got to get. And every time that I live from that space, I find that I create misery and suffering in my life. Every time I've lived from a place of, I've got to get more, I got to get mine, forget everybody else. Um, Every time I've lived from that place in my life, I've created a massive amount of suffering in my world. So I would say my my desire to serve others and love others has come from doing it the other way and seeing that it doesn't it doesn't work and and experiencing the suffering and pain from from living a life of well forget you screw you I'm going to do what I'm going to do 
and I'm going to do my thing. And that led to a lot of pain and suffering in my life, which has brought me to a place where I've decided to see that it's, it's to live the ultimate life. I get to serve people. That's, it's the only way that I've found to be happy and joyous most of the time. So there's a lot there for, and, and this is a constant theme. And I, on purpose, bring people on the show that have had some discovery, some level of struggle, discovery, and making conscious choices. So you listed several conscious choices. I used to live from a place of I got mine, accumulation, get, get, get. Mm -hmm. That brought to me pain and misery. And then I discovered the only mm -hmm. way to have fun, to enjoy life was to be of service. Was there a pivotal event, like a a, a big thing that made that change, or was that a gradual process of discovery over time? My first experience was the, with that would was when I was about seventeen. I'm forty four now, so when, when I was seventeen, I got in trouble with the the law, as we call it here in South Central Pennsylvania. I got in trouble with the law and uh, ended up getting on probation for some drug related troubles. And uh, that was my beginning towards starting to want to do better because other people were like, you need to do better. And this is what you need to do <laughs> or, or you're going to go to jail. Right. So, so, you know, I started down that path because I realized like if I didn't do that, there was going to be hell to pay, so to speak. So, um, so it took a long time, a long time from 17 till really 36 was the time when I really surrendered. I was 30, 36 or 37, maybe 38. It's been about, well, I'm 44 now, and it's been about seven years ago. So 2016, however many years that is, you do the math. Eight, yeah, eight years ago. Like, they. okay, yeah, eight years ago. Because yeah. 24, I, you know, I know it's the beginning of the year, but precision is not important at this moment. <laughs> not to me. Yeah. So, so that's 20 years. You had a brush with the law at 17, got on probation. Uh, and then the next 20 years was a journey till you were 36. And what was that journey like? Like, it's like that's a good question. What was it like? It was kind of like, it was like a, uh, one of those you ever see the plinko machines is like back and forth where you drop the thing in and it goes wherever it goes but you know mm -hmm. one side i'd be over on this side and i'd be happy and my life would be good typically when i was in suffering and pain it was really easy for me to try to do the right thing of course that's the way it is for all of us and then once life would get good it was usually get real good real fast so my job would come back you know i get in a lot of trouble I start to feel better, and then I start doing the same exact thing all over again. I don't know if you can relate to that, but it was, it was a lot of it was like a roller coaster, back, forth, up, down. There was no consistency. Good for a while, happy for a while, and then back down in the dumps. I think people can absolutely resonate with that, and that I think is one of the frustrating things for people about life is it doesn't seem to be predictable. You seem to be at the mercy of outside events. You get bashed around here, there, and everywhere. And But you've described a key element because you said, when I things got good, then I got lazy, complacent, or started doing dumb stuff, and then I built bad stuff again, and so that slammed me to the 
to the other side. And then I thought, oh, crap, I got to get this together again. And so back and forth we go. Is that is that right? That's exactly it. Yeah, that's exactly it. So I have an important question. Why? And I common. Things get good. We get lazy. We do dumb stuff. And then we get in trouble. And then we fix it. And then we go back and forth. Why is it that we seem over and over again to believe that we can be or stay in happiness and joy when we are lazy and do dumb stuff? Hmm. That's a great question. When you figured out the answer to that, let me know. <laughs> oh, you, you know what I mean? Because when we yeah, have ease and comfort, mm-hmm. and all you have to do is look in our society, too. You have wealthy, and I'm not, this is a generalization, and I understand it's a generalization, but there are many, and I was one of them, who got very wealthy and then did dumb things. And somehow, and by dumb things, I mean my behaviors and drugs and all the rest, somehow we think that we can stay in happiness and joy while doing stupid stuff that somewhere we really know doesn't work. Mm -hmm. And so over and over again, we spin back and forth. So there's a lesson to take out of this moment that that's not true. It is not true that you can do dumb stuff and stay happy. And dumb stuff is that whole collection of dishonesty, not telling the truth, being unkind or unfaithful, you know, just all gambling, drugs, all that stuff that everybody knows is kind of like, you know, not in a good way. It does. It takes you to bad places. What happened when you were 36? That was when I finally chose to surrender. That's a big word that I hear you use a lot. And I love your definition of surrender as trust. I love that, that that's trust. And I, I, I chose to trust other people and really look towards what do I need to do? I don't have the answers and I have to find the answers from somewhere outside of myself, somewhere, somebody has to help me and being willing to allow somebody else really surrendering to a new set of ideas, surrendering to a new set of principles to live by. When I became willing to open my mind to that, my life changed immediately. It was, there was no more struggle. There was no more fight. I just allowed, I allowed a different set of ideas to come in to my mind. That was what was holding me back. It was, it was um, my resistance to new ideas. So let's talk about those ideas. Now, uh, this is not trying to say everybody has to adopt the same set of ideas, but for Robert, what was the set or the set of new ideas that you had resisted that you then allowed, gee, this might be true. I'm going to go do this. What were the things that, that for you made that possible? Well, one is that God can speak through other people because I didn't believe that if, if I believed that if other people didn't believe what I believe, they couldn't help me. And that was a very big barrier to me, allowing other people to, to have any kind of, um, say so in my life or I really didn't listen to people if they didn't believe what I believed and most people didn't believe what I believed. So it was very hard to allow new ideas. So that was one is that God speaks through other people. That was a big one. Another one was, this is a big one that I live my life by now is what I put out is what I get back. What I give is what I get. 
what I sow is what I reap. That's it's one of the biggest ones that that particular um, idea has really changed my life considerably. So that's two. Is that is that it, or is there another? Oh no, there's 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 more. Um, Self care, taking care of me, is one of the most important things. Um, committing, making a commitment to wake up every day and take care of me first. Knowing that meditation, be open, opening my mind to meditation was something that was really big because people had shared, "Why don't you try to meditate?" And I would say, "Well, I'm not a monk." What do I look like? I'm not a Buddhist monk. I'm not going to sit around going om, om, om. And um, over the years, I've found that to be one of the greatest practices for me to really bring me to a place of peace and the ability to live my life from a place of of peace and power. So, So those are three good ones, and there may be more, and you can raise them if you want to as we get get a little further. But I want to talk about those three for a minute. The idea that truth, I'm going to say it a little bit different, but the idea that truth, helpful truth can come from anywhere. We need to be open and look for it. And you described a thing that I think affects a lot of people. If you don't think like I do, there's something wrong with you. And so you can't help me because I obviously think correctly, whatever that means. And, and that, that is uh, really, I, I believe, I absolutely know that because I have gotten coached, help, ideas from, I can't even count how many places and people that when I was slow and slowed down enough to listen to it, it's like, oh, you know, that could help X. Wow. And, and do that. So that is a really powerful um, change to be open to that. And you also mentioned self-care, and sometimes people confuse that with selfishness and self-indulgence, which it isn't. I know you don't mean that. Why do you, I agree with you. So I have people, I, I liken it to an athlete. They don't warm up after the game. You know, you warm up before the game. You don't warm up if you're gonna sing your music, you're gonna go sing, you warm up before, not afterwards. And so you can do a good job, yet people resist the idea of morning preparation processes. Call them morning routines, morning rituals, call them whatever you want. But it really is your warm-up of self in that context of self-care. What do you do to prepare yourself to be who you want to be each day? What is your process of preparation? I wake up in the morning. uh, Shower is a big piece of that. Meditation breathing exercises, listen to a podcast or listen to some kind of um, uplifting material, read. I have a couple books that I like to read. I like to go to the gym, do some physical exercise. Um, a A mixture of those things. And that can become one of those things too. I've experienced this recently actually where, you know, I got to a place where I was like, I feel pretty good. I don't have to do that anymore. And guess what? Guess what happened? You 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 already know. You're smiling, so you already know exactly what happened. Like I got everything I want now, I can behave like a nutcase, and that pushes you right back into the into the negative place. (laughs) Yeah, the same thing right back over. So so I want to say that it's not it's not that I've like transcended that particular thinking. It's just changed. It's not so extreme now. It's not like. I'm going on a three-day bender and nobody knows where I am, and then I'm coming back. It's 
Now it's, oh, well, maybe I don't need to get up and meditate this morning. I can sleep in. Right. So it's, it's taken, it's changed. And I get to be with that and allow myself to go through that and feel the pain of that and go, that's not what I want. I want to be able to be of service to people. And if I don't do that, those things, I find that I'm not, I get frustrated more easily. I see people in ways where I, I'm saying, am I not, what's wrong with that person? You know, I have the dialogue of anger, resentment, fear, stress, worry. When I don't do those things, I have the inner dialogue of what's wrong with them. And I'm right. They're wrong. You know, it's back to the same old pointing the finger outward instead of looking at what I can do differently, which is huge. And when I coach people, this is one of the biggest things that we coach on is really taking that personal responsibility. What can I do? Because we can sit and complain over and over and over about what everybody else needs to do different. And that's going to change this much right here and actually make it worse, right? Because the more we tell other people what they need to do, the more they're going to do the opposite. That's life. So it's it's coming back to what can I do differently? What do I get to change to be able to show up in a more powerful way with a more present, kind, loving way of being um, for those other people so that they can see that and, and change through that and not not from me telling them what to do. That just <laughs> that never worked for me. No, and we learn from our own experience. And sometimes people have a hard time understanding what you just said. And what occurred to me when you were talking is, if I don't eat, I get hungry. If I get hungry, or a person gets hungry, me, you, anyone, we get cranky or irritable because we're the body is saying, feed me, hungry. So if we don't do those things that make us energetically, spiritually, however you want to describe it, prepared meditation, the reading of good things, watching a, you know, listening to a podcast, watching a video. It, it's like eating. It's feeding the soul. It's feeding the energetic essence instead of just the body. Um, I'd like yeah, you to talk a little bit about, uh, I'd like you to talk a little bit about this nursing home thing, because I don't think I've had a guest in 800 episodes. That it, I might've had one now that I think about it, but I don't remember who. Talk about nursing homes. What is it that makes you decide your talents as a musician, as a kind person, as a lover of people, that you want to serve that population? What is there about that? Tell me about that. Well, I wanna, I'm going to be really, um, like, I'm going to just put it all out there. When I started that gig, it was out of, like, if I don't do this, I'm going to starve to death. So, you know, I did it from a place, the original place of being that I started doing that from was like, I wanted to, I wanted to do a helping profession. I knew that I had stepped away from a family restaurant business where I was managing staging to take over. I loved the people. I loved the leadership aspect. I loved helping people in that aspect. And I was really good at it. I had a great thriving business. And I realized it wasn't what I wanted to do. I wanted to do something in the helping profession. And I stepped away from that. And I wasn't yet ready to, I didn't know how to um, help people in a way that was really powerful. And so I knew I could play music. So I started playing music at nursing homes, because I knew that that was something that I love to do. And, um, you know, me being, I don't drink, I'm not a, I'm not a drinker anymore. I didn't, I didn't feel comfortable playing music in, in bars and that kind of scene. And I knew that I could play music for those people. 
And I didn't realize the gift that it really was in the beginning when I started it. And as I've gone, as I've continued it, it is, it is such a gift to do that. It's, it's so amazing. Those people, it's, they don't get, they don't, they don't get a lot of attention and a lot of time. Um, so when I go, we really have fun, you know, I'm, I'm good at what I do and that's not me too. My horn It's just, I'm really present with them. We have fun. I tell corny jokes. They love corny jokes, which is good because I have a lot of corny jokes and we just have a great time. And, um, I almost gave it up when I started coaching. Cause I thought, you know, my initial thought was I can make more money coaching. Why am I going to do keep doing music? And, um, you know, I really sat with that to see what my intention was. And my intention was money. And I realized money's great. You can do lots of things with money. And I don't want to give that up because it's such a valuable thing for them. And I love to do it, too. So I don't know if that answers your question, but that's what it more up. than beautifully answers it. And I want to repeat a couple of things for the listeners, because when I was a youngster, uh, my mom did a lot of volunteer work in the community. She used to go to elementary schools and teach third and fourth and fifth graders had a saying, and they would, you know, she would have, train them for a few weeks, and they'd have an assembly and you know do that kind of stuff for parents and stuff. But one of the things we did as a family is we did some a little bit of nursing home stuff too. Certainly not as much as you do. She may have in later years, but I was involved in some of it. And when I was a a Boy Scout uh, in my early teens. Uh, I did a project that you have to do certain projects or whatever. My project involves involved a nursing home. So I would go there and play checkers with this one guy and, you know, all the time. And he was really good. He used to beat the crap out of me all the time. And, <laughs> you know, but the thing you say is so true. They don't get visitors. Family doesn't come. They're too busy. They don't remember. They don't care. They're out of sight, out of mind. And so they're lonely and they hurt and they get they want attention and love. And you coming there to give that for them is such a gift for them. And I just absolutely honor you. And yeah, you get paid, but I know you don't get paid a lot. And so you get paid and you get to give something more important. And that is that love. And then you mentioned what you get out of it too, in terms of the feeling of being appreciated and bringing light and love to their, to their hearts for an hour as you go or two, I don't know how long your shows are, but whatever it is, it's a, it's a, fabulous and beautiful things. So I really honor you for that. What got you started into the coaching piece? What, what made you move to decide, hmm, I want to coach? I know you wanted to be a helping profession and walking away from a, a thriving business into, gee, I don't know what we're going to do next. It's kind of scary. But what what brought you to coaching? Yeah, that really was, that was a very sc- scary transition for sure. So, um, it was through my own my own suffering again. I, mean, I, I I thought, well, if if I can figure out how to help other people, I can help myself. So it was back from that, you know, my my initial um, reasoning it wasn't all so altruistic in the very beginning, like a lot of things that I've done in my life, and I found it to be such a gift. Um, and originally, I wanted to be a hypnotherapist. I thought. Well, if we can figure out how to change what's in the subconscious mind, then we can change everything. And um, as I as I continued on with learning and with growing and with really just taking in information, um, and I still do always. That's another thing. It's just always being open to new information. What I what I don't know, I don't know. 
and what I think I know that I really don't know is changing that, um, you know, being open to that. Um, but I realized that wasn't for me because hypnotherapy is something that people do to you. And I didn't believe in that wholeheartedly. I believe in the person has all the power. I'm, I don't have the power. They have the power. And I love that about coaching. And I had some experiences with coaches that really, really changed the way that I saw the world and how I showed up. And I, I said, this is what I want to do. So that's when I started doing that. And I started as a marriage coach. Um, I had some trouble in my marriage and my wife and I got back together for a while. And that was my, my calling piece is what I, Oh, my wife and I got back together. So you can too. And, um, my wife and I are separated now. That was how I was calling people towards the coaching. And I found that who I've been really had the blessing and the, the honor to work with now is business owners business owners who want to grow, who feel stressed, who feel like um, they're overwhelmed. I've been working with a lot of business owners and that's been really helpful. And then also doing workshops for teams as well for their teams. It's been really powerful. So that's a whole group of people. And I certainly understand, uh, as you know, I've written a whole bunch of books and people ask me sometimes where the ideas come and how do you do this, that, and the other. And it's funny because my short answer is I, every book that I wrote came out of my need to do something, learn something, be something, right? And I think about the book that I published last, which was um, uh, earlier last year, is a book called Forgiveness, A Journey of Courage to a Place of Freedom and Power. And I wrote that book because I needed to. I needed to work more on forgiving, forgiving myself, forgiving others, you know, having forgiveness operative and getting rid of the negative stuff that's because of that. So you deciding to coach because you needed something or to learn about it or coming out of your own growth and then offering that growth to others is, is not only not surprising, but it's fabulous because it's like, hey, I learned how to do this. I wonder who I can help. So tell me what's the most fun for you about uh, coaching. Like, what is the most fun you, you, you to, in doing that? I, I love seeing people come in and they're, they're just in a state where they're frustrated and they're focused on a specific idea. And within sometimes 10 minutes, five minutes, we can have a conversation and their whole thinking changes, their whole body changes, everything changes in there they become, they, they see their power and they, they see life from a different way. So I love seeing that shift in perspective. The shift in perspective is amazing. And to, to see people go from, I got this problem. I'm never going to be able to solve it to like, Oh, that's not even a problem. <laughs> it's, it's amazing to see how that just, it just falls away and people just go, Oh, wow. Not only is that not a problem, but it's an opportunity. That's cool to see that, that transfer transformation in people. I, I, I love that and I agree with it. And I'm wondering why, how important is it? Like this, you, you said in five or 10 or 15 minute conversation, gee, it all changes. Something that was catastrophic, I don't know, life-threatening, but feels awful, you know, mm -hmm. and suddenly it's not a problem, it's an opportunity. How can such a massive change take place with just some conversation. 
a great question. I I guess it's it's part of I don't know. I don't know if it's seeing people and what's really true for them and, and holding a truth for someone that that they're unlimited power they have unlimited power and they can create anything they want and seeing that in them and really believing in that for them, that people are able to tap into that for themselves or um I guess it's a combination of things. It's it's trust, it's love, it's connection, it's faith, it's it's so many things. What- I'm going to go with exactly what you said. We have unlimited power. When I come to you and I'm busted and I'm limited in my vision, it's because I'm not using, seeing, or accessing that power. If in our conversation in a few minutes I can remember once again that I have that power, I have the levers, I have something that I can do, then suddenly it goes from overwhelm to I have control of this because most of that overwhelm comes from feeling like we don't have any power and we don't have any control. And all this crap out here is stuff we ah, beating me up and I can't control it. And when I understand that's not true, of course, it's not a problem because I can go fix this. Yeah. Exactly. That's exactly. Yep. Beautiful. So I want you to tell me whatever it is that I didn't ask you. What would you like to leave audience with? Ultimate life, purpose, prosperity, joy, your substitute words. What would you like to leave people with in their hearts as, as, as we finish this? Keep going, no matter what, just keep going. My first, the first experience I had with any kind of change in way of being was around the age of 17 and I'm 44 now. And I just kept, I'd keep trying every day and I still keep trying. When I get down, I just keep, I get up and I keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going, just keep going. That's it. Just keep going. It's, it's all going to work out. Just keep going. That's it. And, and the other piece, one, one other piece is that I found is, feel once we get we got the answer inside of us the answer's in here just we just have to slow down long enough to be able to hear it so keep going until you can hear that voice inside of you that will guide you and show you the way to go i love that that means there is a voice and you need to be still enough to hear it and then make a choice to act on that voice so i'd like you to make sure you tell us where people can find you, where they can find out about your coaching, uh, websites or places to go that you would want someone who has heard you today and is inspired by your voice to go find out more. Two places. You can send an email to restore my relationship at Gmail. So that's restore my relationship at gmail.com. Or you can reach out on Facebook. Those are the only two. Those are the two places that I um, that I have that people can reach out. So Robert Twine at Facebook, Robert Twine on Facebook and, and you'll recognize him cause you'll see this beautiful face, this loving face that oh. is adored by all these folks <laughs> in homes that get to look forward to him, entertaining, telling corny jokes and giving love through music and restoremyrelationship.com. Robert, thank you for sharing your heart and being with us today. Thank you. It's been an honor. Thanks again.
You betcha. I want to encourage you to go back and listen again. You know, it's easy to listen to a, an episode and think, oh, that's a good idea. Take, some, take a little time. Think about these things. Think about the true power that you have to create life any way you want. And that, of course, is the key to moving toward your ultimate life. Open your heart in this time around. Thank you for listening to today's episode. We hope that you take it deeply into your heart and decide for yourself how you can create anything you desire. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to this podcast and share it with your friends. As always, we'd love to hear your feedback and topic suggestions. Until tomorrow, this is Your Ultimate Life with host Kellen Flukiger. Stand with your heart in the sky and your feet.